Welcome back to Judging Book Covers, your bi-weekly book club podcast, where we focus on helping our guests get through their to-be-read list. I'm Stephanie Cortez, and as always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Megan. Megan, how are you doing this evening? I'm okay. How are you? Good. A little warm. I'm ready for fall. <laughs> yes. Yes. That has been the theme of this week. Yeah. Although today very... wasn't that bad, sitting in front of the window fan. Okay. So I'd say yeah. it's... I, the rain keeps coming through and I'm like, it's going to finally break the humidity. And then I leave and I'm like, no, I'm still wearing too many clothes. But I, uh, oh God, this morning I walked half a mile to the subway with my dress tucked into my shorts and didn't realize it. Oh, no. And nobody stopped me until what? I went to get on the subway and a woman's like tugging on my dress. So oh. that's, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> That's a, an interesting way to start the day. But also, everyone else, where were you? Like, say something, because you'd want someone to tell you. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you getting settled in? I know I've already asked you, but I forgot, <laughs> you know, we weren't recording then. <laughs> Still getting there. Still have a few more boxes, and all of my books are in boxes, except for one. So, I do have an answer for what I'll be reading um, that's not podcast Oh, good. <laughs> Um, but I don't know if I do. Or... <laughs> no, <laughs> I grabbed it before I came out here <laughs> to make sure I was ready. Okay. Um, see, I think tomorrow and Friday, well, maybe not Friday. We'll see. Maybe tomorrow. I want to put together this second bookshelf or technically third. It's a tall one. We have one tall one and a short one, and then we bought another tall one. Um, so put that together, get those books out, get those boxes out of my apartment because I'm feeling very unsettled and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> oh, and then done. that'll also be setting up the office, trying to figure out how we want things in there once those bookshelves are in there with my desk and the giant computer that my, or a uh, printer that my employer sent me today. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad it's coming together. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting there. All right. And tonight we are joined by Liz Babish. Liz, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Same hot <laughs> level. <laughs> like that's going to be everyone's response until September, October. <laughs> if it My could be September, great. September, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. September would be being excellent. optimistic. <laughs> So this week we read The Portable Veblen by Elizabeth McKenzie, and I was trying to think of a quick way to summarize it. <clears throat> and I guess you could boil it down to our main character, Veblen, and her fiancé, Paul. They've recently gotten engaged, so we get to see them dealing with that and also their dysfunctional families, but in his uh, recent career change, or move, I should say. But it touches on a lot more, and I loved it for that. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting it. It talks about mental illness. Um, consumerism, depossessions, and money, you know, equal happiness, marriage versus being an individual or being an individual while you're married. Um, there's also a very important character who is a squirrel, which I thought was fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Liz, what brought this book to your attention? Uh, this book was actually recommended to me, um, or not to me personally. An author I really enjoy recommended this book online, and I picked it up mainly because I really did enjoy the cover um, art, which is just that like nice blue with the squirrel on it, um, yeah. <laughs> and the, and it sounded interesting. And I don't read a lot of books like this that are um, 
at, at the surface when I first bought it, just sort of like a rom com family dysfunction book. I didn't know the level of satire before I started it. So I really, really enjoyed this in a way that I did not expect with the multiple layers going on here because there's so much to delve into. <laughs> oh, yes. There really, really is. I don't know what I expected because the squirrel on the cover just hanging out is a very pretty cover where, yeah, I guess I, you could go into it thinking it's going to be like a rom-com type of thing, but there's more to it than that. <laughs> and, <I loved it. laughs> and there is this like element of whimsy, which I think goes yeah. along with the, the cover art. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's more than meets the eye. One might I, say. I am, I am curious if this sits on the chiclet shelf or not. Mm. That, uh, you know, like where you'd find like Meg Cabot and, uh, Sophie Kinsella and all those books because it is kind of like an introverted version of that but the cover definitely is like a Tiffany's blue with that yellow and pink that screams like beach book yes like gentle lady read yeah book beach club book or yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have ranged from really hating this book really to really loving this book <laughs> since I finished it it's like every time I think about it I have a new feeling about it and an, I'm going to preface that by saying this is really well written. And from a literary standpoint, I love it. Mm -hmm. But the thing that makes me hate it is it's no fault of her. It's just this like trope that I recently realized I really hate. So I was like, oh, no, it has it. And oh, no, I'm not OK right now. So Oh, oh no. What did I do uh, to you? <laughs> no, 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 it's it's. I actually blame, um, oh God, I can't think of the author's name. I read Sharp Objects last week, and I actually blame that book more than this book. But it's the, the having the mom that's super narcissistic and hypochondriac and, and like the interactions with the daughter. And there's just something about it that I, like puts me to that edge where I'm like, can feel myself tensing up being like, I can't, I can't deal with this. I need to get out of this room. And... It's done so well, which makes it so hard. But because I entirely blame it on the fact that I read Sharp Objects last week. If I hadn't, I would love this book hands down. But Sharp Objects was so much to deal with that to read this so close afterwards, I was like, no. Oh, no. It's another mom. <laughs> so, But once I like put the book down and thought about it, I was like, okay, this is a really, really good book. <laughs> and... I can get past that one thing. So, which is entirely my own hang up. <laughs> um, Stephanie, what'd you think? I really liked it. Um, I, there are certain things, like when you were talking about how it was really well written, one of the things that jumped out at me was towards the end, we get a chapter that's really just from the squirrel's perspective. And I <laughs> loved that so much. Um, and then there was another chapter where it's told from the perspective of a man who is in the military who has traumatic brain injury. Um, and it was told from his perspective about like when his wife comes to visit and how she's changed. And, you know, just I thought it was very well done of trying to see it from that side of things instead of the family member who's trying to still support the person with the TBI. So, yeah. Now, Liz, you had read this before, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Did it hold up the second time? Uh, yeah. I, I, I 
was surprised um, about how, like, so a lot of the times when I reread books, I don't enjoy them as much. It's just, that's why they go on my shelf, and a lot of times I don't touch them again. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, Megan, I'm going to need you to delete that, because if my husband hears that, he's going to be, see, like, see, <laughs> get rid of all your books. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I still have them. <laughs> okay, thank you. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I know uh, they're just appreciated from afar. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. Eventually. I have all the time in the world. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it did hold up to me. And what's funny is there's a character in this that I actually enjoyed or understood more, I think, the second time around. Knowing the arc of Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, which is Dublin's fiance. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, because he's... What, what I really like about this book, too, with the two main characters is that she does a really incredible job of, like, having two very different voices for both of them. You know? Sorry. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> Just trying to blow my nose quietly. <laughs> oh. And <laughs> it's okay. I think that knowing Paul better at the end of the book prepare and like where he comes from and his family dynamic and why he sort of operates on this different level where like status and materials are important to him and structure made me like Paul more going into the second reading. That's, That's good. good. Yeah. Whereas at first I'm like, you're just kind of a jerk Paul. <laughs> yes. I was going yeah. through this like, God, Paul, go away <laughs> and trying to like, so as we got to learn a little bit more about him, I was trying to be more understanding, but I didn't, I, I can definitely see that where if I, you know, if when I read this again, you know, going through, <laughs> I will probably cut him a little bit of slack at the beginning because I know what I'm going to learn later on about his family life and upbringing and everything like that. Yeah. 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 I like the way this book, uh, you kind of get the characters a little bit and then it's like every new section is like a little bit more information Mm -hmm. that completely changes exactly what you just read. Right. So, (laughs) and, uh, I'm honestly a little surprised at the ending. I liked the ending. I had no idea where the book was going to go. And Mm -hmm. if it had ended with them not getting married, I think it would have also been just as good of an ending. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a weird book. Yeah, because I was definitely like, I don't like you, Paul. Don't, don't marry, marry him, girl. girl. Get, Get away. away. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning, <laughs> or yes. as as it went on, you know. Well, yes. And the it's interesting to me because they only were together for four months, basically before they got yes. engaged. So it's like yeah. this journey. Like, of course you don't know shit about that person. Sorry, I forget. Exactly. Can I curse? I forgot. You, you can curse. Yes. <laughs> You know, you don't know anything about this person yet. And so they're learning each other after they've already done, like, the end of the romantic movie sort of thing. Yeah, with the big proposal, with the big ring that's (laughs) not her. It's a giant diamond, which to him, because of how he grew up, that's what you do. You buy the giant rock for for the woman that you love. Um, But if if you had thought about, if he knew more about her, I think, at the time, and also really thought about it from her perspective... He would not have bought a giant diamond ring because that's just not right. what she wants. <laughs> I mean, props to the mom 
for when she brings the she shows her the ring the first time she's like oh that is really not you yeah and i was like that feels very genuine yes yeah <laughs> it's one of the few moments i was like go mom right that was good <laughs> also too when he proposes she doesn't seem super into it like she does say yes but she just doesn't seem like like she's super enthused like he seems like he's all in this he loves her so much but then I was like are you doing this just not like a status well kind of a status thing if you're looking at the ring um I don't know. You're just, it's been four months. You're still in like that honeymoon phase of dating. <laughs> you don't know each other. You haven't fought. Like, you don't know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they don't. She's like, so he doesn't know I take antidepressants mm-hmm. and that I don't have a college degree. And also, I don't know. I'm the like most single person on the right show now, right so now. So please, please correct me when I say things. But like, I wouldn't marry someone not having met their family. Or at least... Good decision, Megan. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> like, steps logically you speaking, <laughs> you gotta see what you're married into. Yeah, because yeah. you are tying yourself <laughs> to those people as well. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> um, did your own engagement color your opinion of this book, Liz? On that this time around? I think it might have a little bit. I, 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 it was, it was, no, it was interesting to read this now as someone who is, I mean, uh, Larry and I were together for s- six years before we got engaged. So it's yeah. a little bit different of a, you guys did the right thing. <laughs> you but, met each other's families, I'm assuming in those six exactly. years, like talked <laughs> <Yes>. about things. <laughs> All the idiosyncrasies yeah, and, and our families are both different types of nuts. Hopefully they don't listen to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think you could say that about every family. Yeah. Every single family's got their own things. <laughs> but it was interesting reading this to see, like, I'm going through my engagement process now of planning everything, and that's what this is. And uh, it's interesting to watch it from, like, a discovery perspective rather than mine. It's like, oh, we just sort of really already know everything about each other. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> so no arguing over the venue because one of you wants a huge wedding and the other wants a tiny one. And Paul's not great in the beginning of this at no. all. No, he's not. Also, uh, I so there was someone at our wedding who I had slept with, but Chris knew that. I feel like maybe she has the right to know that this house is being offered up. Maybe just throw it out there because if she's blindsided by that on your wedding day that you slept with the woman who's offering up the usage of her giant house, yeah. it might sour the day. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Just to throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> that did make me mad again <laughs> on the second <laughs> so. I also... So Chris and I, how long? I think we were together for three years before we got engaged and had many conversations before we officially got engaged, I guess. Um, like about, did we want to get married? Do we want to have kids? Like those big types of things where I was like, you guys haven't done this yet. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of watching the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, which the third one I actually really enjoy. But there's a scene where... It's post-marriage because the marriage happens 
the first minute of the movie. And she's like hiking with Christian and his brother, maybe his sister's there and her friend. And it's like questions like about kids and things like that. And she's like, oh, you think this? And I'm like, you're married. (laughs) You should know this. Well, what I'm learning are deal breakers. I'm learning that we are all responsible people. I (laughs) have a few people in my life. I'm not going to name names. No. (laughs) Or people that I've met that maybe are not as responsible with fights that you hear after people get married. And you're like, didn't you think that to talk about this at some point? Exactly. But people don't. Like, I mean, we watch I a rom com and they don't up. have those talks during the rom com. Exactly. They just, you know, have the grand proposal and the big wedding. Like, they don't have the serious conversations that you really need to have before you decide to <laughs> legally tie yourself to somebody. <laughs> Do they have debt? Like, let's talk about that. Paul's a neurologist. Yes. Does he have some debt? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Especially considering his parents are hippies. Oh, maybe he got scholarships, but we don't know because they didn't have that talk. (laughs) I do like that even though it's only been four months since they're engaged, it's not coming from a standpoint of like, we are so in love and this is why we do this and like everything's seen and the birds are always chirping, but it's more of like both of them trying to prove they're normal almost. Which is still not great, but it, <laughs> it at least feels like maybe they'll eventually get a sensible head on their shoulders. Do we know how old they are? Well, isn't Paul like 34? Yeah, he's got to be if okay. he's like, okay, a, right? Neurologist. Yeah, I, yeah I knew his brother was 38, and maybe I knew he was younger. Four year, yeah, so I think he's like 34, so I assume she's about the same age. Okay. Uh, maybe because. She wanted to study abroad in Norway 10 years ago. That's right. So okay. So, yeah, she's definitely probably, in her 30s, yeah. too. So maybe not the most sensible heads. And she also, we don't, I mean, because she's our main character, we know more about her, that she hasn't had that many serious relationships. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. I feel like you're supposed to have that young puppy love in high school or college just to kind of yes. get, like, I'm in love with you. We're going to get like, I don't know to get that gush, that gushy mushy stuff kind of out of the way where you don't necessarily know what you're doing in a relationship. If that makes sense <laughs> or yeah. not realizing that, okay, if this honeymoon phase is going to fade away, we're going to fight. There's going to be disagreements. Um, yeah. You need to know how to deal with those. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the squirrel. So, <laughs> Let's get the squirrel in. <laughs> so here's where I was first like, Paul, I don't know about you. Because right after he proposes, you know, they go to her place. Um, that night he makes a comment about the squirrel in the attic. And I, I'm trying to see if I can find how he said it. Because the way he said it, I was just like, oh, so now that she said yes, you're kind of coming in. This is her house. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I guess, they don't live together. Right. He still has his own place. Right. And yeah, I yes, you should be concerned about like your wiring and all that other stuff. Um, but then the next day when he goes out for breakfast, he comes back with a squirrel trap without asking her. And he does say it's a humane one, you know, to, to catch them alive. But I'm like, you didn't ask her. 
you don't live here. It's been four months. Let's have a conversation. Because <laughs> she, he knows yeah. she likes the squirrels. And like he's just trying to trap them because he couldn't sleep. Earplugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless she is supposed to be an idiot, which I don't think she is. Like, it's not... Um, what is that? The the Disney movie that goes from cartoon to live action. She's not that... A- is that Amy Adams? I think it's Amy oh, Adams' character. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Rock-A-Doodle. <laughs> yeah. But that's the opposite like, oh, way. Who framed no. Roger Rabbit? I'm like, nope, that's not what she said. <laughs> Sorry. Enchanted, I think, is, is what it's called. <laughs> Where, you know, she's trying to talk to animals and having them make her clothes and everything. Um, Veblen's not... Right. that kind of person right sorry you can be whimsical whimsy doesn't mean that you're dumb you know what i mean like, exactly yeah but yes she tiptoes constantly on the line of like is veblen all there mm. because she used to talk to squirrels as a kid and we can't quite get if the squirrels really understand her or not or if she just this is what she clings to right. from her childhood I was, I was gonna say it's interesting that you say tiptoe because that's sort of also how she interacts with most people because of the way she was raised with her mother and constantly having to like whereas Paul isolated himself basically from his family like screw my parents kind of level stuff She's so still so deeply invested in getting her mother to care about her and yes. and seeking approval from others, which is also probably why Veblen and Paul haven't had fights before a huge part of it. Right. It's because she tiptoes yes. around Making everybody. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked when we do learn it, that's kind of was basically her escape as a child was she would kind of disappear into her books um, and then also into her own world with the squirrels. Like she made up an entire world with families and everything. It's very detailed. Um, And then at one point later, there's a character, Cloris. We see her son, Morris. (laughs) I just realized that their name's right. Oh, that kid. Yeah. But he's pretending (laughs) to be a robot. And it seems in that moment while he's pretending to be a robot, his parents are Skyping and they're fighting. So it's kind of like his way of escaping that. So it's always interesting to me how kids deal with crap like that because Veblen's parents are divorced. Um, she would go visit her dad once a year for a couple weeks and then that eventually did stop. Um, but just her diff- the different ways that kids deal with the adults in their lives and if their parents are together or not together, you know, how they respond to stressful situations is very interesting to me. Yes. Yes. And there's something about the people pleasing that I don't know. I guess maybe because I've been there where I'm just like, just stop fighting. I will do whatever you can. It's my dad and stepmom fought a lot. It's just like, I will clean this entire house. Just please stop. Kind of vibe. And maybe that's why it's like, I can't deal with this. Because the mom's such a, like, narcissistic, strong character. And it's always a... They never end up with a guy that's going to, like, fight him. It's always like, your mom's the center of the world and she's always right. And I'm like, no. Stop this. (laughs) Why are you allowing this? 
I really, really hated her husband, oh, too. Really? Oh, really? Oh, Linus. I, oh. I mean, he's great, but when he's like, you need to go apologize to your mother, I'm like, nope, you just lost 20 points. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Linus is interesting to me because I feel like it's more of a, like, Ugh, you go talk to her, you're better with her than I am. And, like, he, I don't think he, ne- he doesn't. I mean, clearly he loves this woman, because why else would he be there? But it's interesting to see, because there's a few pushback scenes, like uh, when Paul leaves the towel in the the bathroom on the floor, and she's like, how can a person do that? How could she possibly marry a man who would do that? And Linus is like, well, maybe it's not the biggest (laughs) deal breaker in the world. It's... I wish we had seen a little bit more sometimes from them because I would be interested to see if that's something he normally does or if he's just like a wimp. (laughs) I really liked how that was written too, because the whole lead up to that was the mom freaking out to Linus. Like we know something that Veblen doesn't and we have to tell her she wouldn't marry him if she knew. And I was like, what the hell do you know? Did you look him up online and find some stuff? And it's no, it's because he left a towel on the floor in the bathroom. I was just like, what the hell, lady? <laughs> Which, to be fair, is a rude thing to do, not in your own house. But yeah. it's also not a murder. Right. And you also made him dig it or get a chicken coop roof out of a freaking ravine yes. the first time that you've met him. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the towel on the floor showering off after that event is like right. not as bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I like, okay, so I guess it's because in the hospital, he starts to kind of treat Veblen like this is, he really kind of becomes a wuss at first in the hospital. I mean, he does come back and talk to her and apologize and everything. So I think that's what I keep focusing on. But I do remember the conversation now of like, he could be her perfect guy. And she's like, no, her perfect guy wouldn't leave a towel on the floor. I was like, oh, this circular argument. It's like he would, the perfect guy for her wouldn't just wouldn't do that. He would know better. Leave a towel on his mother-in-law's floor. Or future, sorry, future mother-in-law's floor. Future, yeah. Yeah, she is very uh, dead set against this uh, engagement at first. And I think Paul's reaction, honestly, maybe because it's so similar to mine, it was spot on. <laughs> and I get why Veblen's upset. She just wants someone to accept her and let it roll with the punches as where he's calling out her mom, but he's also being like, but don't worry. Like I'm going to make this. Okay. You know, he gets her enrolled in a, in a study. Yeah. Cause uh, she basically, she's one of those people that thinks she knows everything. that doctors don't really know anything because she can't get a real diagnosis. The first time that she meets Paul, she gives him, like, a packet of her medical information because she has apparently a lot of things wrong with her. Um, And she ends up leaving that conversation feeling judged, and she goes into her bedroom and pouts, and Linus sends sends Veb in there because she can handle her the best. And then that's, I feel like that's part of why he said, yes, I will go down to this ravine and get cut up and help Linus get this roof out of there because he upset his future mother-in-law. What else, what, what else are you supposed to do in that moment? Um, yeah. And then did the trial um, felt just to kind of make her like him more. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 
their, her mom something. Yeah. And it's like, what do you do in that situation where your future mother-in-law says that she has all these things wrong with her and you're pretty sure she doesn't or a lot of it's, you know, psychosomatic and, but she's not going to hear that. I feel bad for Paul a little bit there because I feel like he did do mm-hmm. the right thing. He's like, oh, there's a test you can take. I'll write down the name of the test. Yeah. And you can ask yes. your doctor about it. She's like, flew off the handle at that. For some, right. you know. I was like, I was very confused at that point. Cause I was like, he's, I, is he not doing what you wanted him to do? <laughs> Nothing he did was going to be what he, she wanted. Right. right. Yeah. Right. It's one of those. What she wanted in the end was to prove that she was smarter than the doctor. Mm. That's because when he ends up in the hospital later. Oh, yeah. She is grilling that doctor. (laughs) I ended up texting my mother. It was just like, (laughs) I just want to tell you I love you. (laughs) She's like, why? And I was like, here are the books I've read the past two weeks. (laughs) It's like, you were a strong woman. Thank you for not being this kind of woman. Yeah. And she's like, all moms are challenging in their own way. And it's like, okay, mom. <laughs> what a nice answer. <laughs> oh, man, your mom but seems he's... like the best mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's very zen these days. Yeah. It actually, it is occasionally drives me nuts because I am very not zen. And I'm just like, I just want to yell. <laughs> just like, don't make me be zen for the moment. But... <laughs> Um, so Veblen's dad has PTSD, we learn, mm-hmm. from, was it Vietnam? Yeah, I think, I think so. so. That would make sense, yeah. she's If she's in her 30s, then yeah, it would be Vietnam. Um, which is entirely understandable. My grandfather was in Vietnam, and I only ever heard him talk about it. The first time was why he had a phobia of rats. And the second time where we were hiking and he started talking about it and like the entire family got quiet and started looking at each other. Cause it was, I was in my twenties we were like, we've never heard him talk about it and nobody's going to upset the moment. We want to hear this story kind of thing. Um, so yeah, if, if it impacted him that much and he was still able to be normal, then I don't fault anybody coming out with PTSD from that war. And, uh, and at no point did I feel like, like her dad was exhausting, Mm -hmm. but it almost always felt justifiable. Right. Like he's definitely been through some things, you know, it's not his fault that he has the PTSD or that he's, you know, sometimes has hallucinations, you know? Um, Yes. Definitely exhausting, but at least you kind of know the reason why. Except for the fact that he's, like, fighting to not come to her wedding. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I am very much of the mindset that when it comes to a wedding, just say yes to the bride until it gets to an outrageous point. But I don't feel like your dad coming to your wedding or you having the parent that you want walk you down the aisle. Yeah, about that. <laughs> are big issues at all. Like, her mom was immediately upset about her ex coming to the wedding, which was just like, okay, first of all, yes. you did not create this child in a vacuum. You had to have expected this. Um, you have some warnings. You can get your shit to, like, I have, I don't have any patience. 
for parents right. playing this game at someone's wedding. Like, get your shit together, be an adult. <laughs> like, I unless there was like abuse or you know like just get right. together. But she, I don't even remember what she says. She says something about, yeah. Oh, it's I'm, the most important day of her life. Yes. And she's going to ruin it by having him there. And I was like, you need to hear yourself. Yes. Oh, most important day of your life. Oh. (laughs) Her Um, mother. But then in the same conversation, she says something about him walking Velma down the aisle. And she was like, oh, I wasn't going to ask him. She's like, oh, who? And she says, oh, I was going to ask you to. And then she has complaints about that. It's like. There is no pleasing you. Yeah. No. I will agree with her bra conversation, though. <laughs> She's like, I hate having to wear a bra. And I was like, yeah, that I yes. feel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that I feel. I get that. <laughs> I do love her response to Bethlehem being like, you could just take it off. You don't need to wear a bra for us. She's like, no one wants to st- stare at a woman. <laughs> with the saggy boobs down to her navel. I was like, oh, girl. I understand that. It feels so hard. <laughs> yes. It's too hot for a bra right now. I've invested in the best shirt from Target that has, like, really long sleeve holes. And then it, like, looks like it's been tied and then has another hole and then it's tied at the bottom. And then, like, a bralette. And I'm like, this is my summer outfit. Oh, nice. I'm never leaving my apartment in it, but, like, <laughs> I can breathe. Yes. <laughs> That is the drawback of working from home and we don't have an air conditioner in the office that I'm in. <laughs> uh, it's very warm. So the window fan is good, but some days I'm like, oh, maybe we should just buy another air conditioner because I'm dying. If you can make it through the end of the summer, it can be next year's purchase. Yeah, or like an end of season type of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Although I learned that bodegas sell them for $115 if I ever need a third one. Interesting. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the ones beneath me, I was like, that's 150. It's a small one, and it probably has no settings. But, <laughs> but if I need a third one, which some days I'm like, I am really might, I might just fork over the 115 bucks. <clears throat> you have options. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Should we get into Paul's past sure. a little bit? Oh, no. <laughs> I think it's because it's my second reading. Like, I like Paul so much better. And I totally... We are not there. Or I'm not there yet. I know. I totally understand. I totally get it. It's just so funny to me. And I'm like, oh, poor Paul. Everybody hates Paul. Well, because also the way it's... Like, the way it starts. So you have the thing about the trap that jumped out at me. Um, He was in a research lab basically trying to design a tool that... So medics can use in the field, like the kind of how one would do an emergency tracheotomy. He wants this tool that they can use to try to prevent traumatic brain injury. Um, so he basically goes to this big company um, to, do, to do work with them. He's getting paid a lot of money. Um, also, he says something like when he's thinking about everything that Beb being a temp wouldn't seem right after they're married. He'd support her and she can look for a real job. So it's just like, this is all status for you. Um, <laughs> and like when he goes to pitch this idea, he, before he goes to pitch the idea to the company, his dad is like, oh, you're going to be in the area. You should go visit his brother. 
um, at like the memorial wall. <clears throat> oh, if I have time, I don't know if I'm gonna have time. But then he totally uses the memory of his dead uncle in yeah. this meeting because I can't remember where his uncle died, but he died in a war. Probably Vietnam um, as well. Probably, yeah. So leading up to when we finally eventually learn about Pop, I've got all these things stacked against him. <laughs> and her best friend didn't like him. Albertine didn't really like him upon meeting him. And I also yeah. did not like that Veblen picked up on, I can't remember what Albertine says, but Paul does not like his fiance being described so familiarly familiarly by someone else. I feel like I said that wrong, but it's like they've known each other since sixth grade, dude. Back up. <laughs> You should have best friends that are not your partner. I'm just throwing that out there. Again, I'm super single, and you guys are welcome to disagree with that, but it's something I firmly think. Megan, you know me. Do you think I I disagree with that at all? I don't. But I'm just like, anybody listening, I'm just going to remind you, I'm super single. And so, like, don't yell at me. We've been together for 11 years, and I'm only just now like, is Chris my best friend or one of my best friends? Maybe. I love that. Same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had all these yeah, things stacked against that. him. But then when we learned more about him, I was like, okay. But oh, the other thing too. So his parents, and then he has a brother named Justin. Um, we don't exactly know what Justin's diagnosis is. And that's another thing. When Veblen asks Paul, what is his diagnosis? He says something like, oh, I don't care to know. But I'm like, you're a neurologist. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I had very mixed feelings about their relationship. But I also felt it was really real. Like, I could see someone growing up in that shadow and feeling like this. But it is a thin line to walk that she does really well to, like, at no point did I, at no point was I like, you went a step too far. Back it up. So, yeah, I mean, I can understand Paul's like it's it's hard. It's like a hard position to be in and like growing with this resentment in you, even though, you know, it's not really like your brother's fault. It's like misdirected anger as well, because that really should be at his parents more than his brother. Yeah, especially with knowing that I can't remember what happened to Justin it was something about him he being was, he was they, they decided to have a natural birth oh, yeah, or yeah. as natural as possible they didn't go to the hospital yeah. so when he's born the cord was wrapped around his neck and he was blue so he didn't get enough oxygen right and so. you really blame themselves and then yeah from Paul's perspective the parents have always given they've always deferred to Justin and his needs and not really and they were also hippies who did drugs and yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite yeah. parts oh my god um, but they we'll did a lot of drugs. Yeah. Um, but he's always had this resentment because it's to, to him, it's always been about Justin. It's never about him. Um, and with his success with what he sees, you know, going to this big company, getting this signing bonus, um, that the woman who's going to lend them her giant house for this wedding and he's getting married, he wants something, you know, he wants it to be about him, you know, right now. Which seems very, it does seem very, very real when you feel like you've been growing up 
in your sibling's shadow, you just want something to be about you. And I get that from, like, yeah. his, you know, just where he grew up, too, and, like, constant disarray with, like, they even talk about DEA agents being there all the time because of all the drugs mm-hmm. on the commune and, like, this erratic disorder that it sort of makes sense to me that someone that grew up that way would want something that is tidy and taken care of. And I also kind of get, like, Paul is vague. Like, he's, it comes off as possessive and, like, definitely and sort of domineering in the relationship. But I also understand that, like, to him, that's his job. He should be taking care of his wife in a way that his family didn't really take care of him. So it's, like, this weird, even though it's, like, so dickish, I, like, get why he's the way he is. (laughs) Um, So, like, giving her that big rock or saying that she won't have to work anymore, like, he thinks that's a nice thing to say. Yeah. It's the American dream, quote-unquote. And I I definitely had to read it twice because it it was just thrown in there about his parents and blah, 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 growing marijuana plants. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, when when his dad is like, you need to go visit, you know, my brother and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, so he comes from, like, almost a militant background was kind Mm. of the feeling. And then you learn actually what his parents are like. And I was like, oh, no, I read that entirely wrong. His dad did not take that road. (laughs) No. Yeah. No. They did like, we find out a little bit about about his childhood, um, his science fair uh, project where he wanted to research if he could replicate something he swears happened to him as a kid that that he had a bucket of snails and they started screaming. Um, So for the science fair, it's very important to him because um, the science teacher is very supportive and everything so it's very important to him for his parents to go and he does ask his parents can you just come and not bring Justin because there were a bunch of people staying at the house he's like they can watch him so yeah. he gets to the science fair and he keeps like looking around and I was like oh my god my heart because his parents weren't showing up they weren't walking through those doors um and no, they were on E, weren't they? I, or X. <laughs> I meant to look it up because I was like, I don't know what this drug is. <laughs> See if I can find it. I don't know. Something to that yeah. effect. Yeah. yeah, that whole when uh, he brings the girl home or oh. she drops him off yes. and drinks the cider and she's like, it's really hot and she's super chatty and then her yep. dad's just like okay i no <laughs> my mother would have been like what the hell's wrong with you yeah get home right but, now <laughs> different but this time, is different like, time. <laughs> yeah and it's oh my god it was um uh they laced the cider with mr natural we were on planet x i don't know what that is that's ecstasy probably okay yeah um, which was like, why would you just leave it in the fridge? Because Paul's truck, the truck breaks down. Paul can't get home. So Millie drives him home. She's thirsty. Kids go to the refrigerator and drink what's in the refrigerator. And this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're on drugs. Oh, I think you are too, kids. Um, <laughs> and then they end up having sex and they're together for two months and four days. Where I was like, that's very teenager to like remember down to the day. Yeah. But then also, and he's driving, so they're at least sixteen. Yes, yes, because okay. 
Millie thinks that she's pregnant and Paul says he'll marry her. So they go talk to her parents first. And I believe it's her mom who says something like, you're 16. You're not getting married. (laughs) And by the way, if I had been home, you wouldn't have taken him home. None of this would have happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And um, she calls Paul a cheat because... The judges, he did not win the science fair project, or uh, <laughs> he did not win a prize at the science fair. And uh, Millie was very sports. She was awesome. She was like, oh, you were robbed, blah, blah, blah. Um, because the judges were thinking that he faked his findings. And he totally did. <laughs> With styrofoam yeah. and a straw, he faked snail screaming. <laughs> and the judges could tell. His science teacher, I think, vouched for him and like didn't believe that he that he faked it, but the other judges. Oh yeah, his him. his science teacher was a hundred percent behind him. Yeah. I just don't get why, like, like he becomes adamant about how, like, the word cheating and things yeah. like that, and and it's like, but but you did, dude, right? Like you did, and this we learned this after. Um, he thinks that Veblen's cheating on him. Uh, yes. She's, she, <laughs> cell phones. <laughs> she accidentally like he calls her and she butt connects to him, <laughs> That's and he the hears best her. Part talking to some i yeah (laughs) like he hears her talking to someone about marriage and kind of seeming uncertain and he she calls this person handsome she is talking to a squirrel a squirrel (laughs) that (laughs) got caught in the trap that uh was that paul put in the in the attic um that she took with her to go visit her dad um so and then he goes complete paul goes nuts ransacking her house like going through all of her drawers looking for proof and there was something earlier on I can't remember where it was but he does say something to her like he does o- tend to overreact when think- to, to things sometimes and I was like well this this is a clear <laughs> example of yeah. yeah yes what the hell punches her picture of Thor- uh, Thornstein Veblen actually I don't think we talked about that oh yeah no um, who she's named no we after. haven't yet but we should yeah um, Thornstein Veblen was a Norwegian American uh, economist. He was very anti-materialism. Um, he was a critic of capitalism. So she has his picture on the wall, and she kind of, you know, uh, she uh, she's told that she was named after him because um, her mom really believed in that stuff. But then we find out that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a real uh, philosopher, yes. and it is kind of, when I was looking into it, the book does seem to reflect his values of very much of, like, anti-materialism and uh, having wealth, the, what is it, the lazy, wealthy class or something like that, I think it's the name the of the book. The leisure class. Yes, yes. And uh, when I read into him the book really fell into place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the whole idea behind it. Well, that's her whole identity that she's been basing her <clears throat> basically personality off of too. Like that's the work she does on the side. She knows Norwegian. So she's translating uh, his texts yeah. and um, it's such an integral part of her life and her identity that when she finds out this information later of why she's named after him, it like really rocks her for a bit, I think. Yeah. So I think there's even one part too, where she talks about how 
um, she believes she should be paid. Um, so basically she has enough money to like pay her rent, food, and a couple other small necessities. Like she's not out there to just make all the big bucks. Uh, oh, right. there was also, where was it? Um, I think it's right after Paul says that Cloris is going to offer up the house or something. I don't know. He's talking to Veblen on the phone. He's like, oh, and just so you know, I'm thinking about buying a boat. It's like, a boat? <laughs> yeah. A very big purchase. <laughs> yeah, a boat. He wants to move into a new house. And we learned that, like, she's essentially renovated this small house. Yeah. It's a cottage. And, uh, and like, the deal that she got on it. And, I like, it sounds wonderful. It sounds absolutely perfect. I'm sure it doesn't have bugs. So, it's got to be a step up <laughs> but yeah he wants to move into something bigger and better and <clears throat> it's kind of like last week where the guy or last week last episode with the guy who kept building a new house every so often he wanted a bigger and better it's not always better <laughs> um, yeah she's not super into the idea of getting a boat <laughs> Yeah, no, or moving. Was she insane? Or moving, yeah. yeah. Or at least not yeah, moving out of her house into like a bigger house. Yeah. Yeah. She put a lot of work into that house. Like, I love that story about how she got the yeah. house and like she spent several days just really gutting it out, cleaning it, you know, cleaning around it, just really putting a lot of effort into it. Um, you're good <laughs> so I, I don't read a ton of satire I read some in college and uh, they're really hard to read when you don't realize that they're satire at first but this reminded me of um, oh god I can't think of the author's name why did I go down this track when I couldn't remember the author's name? Give us clues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he wrote The Crying of Lot 49. Um, uh, pension? <laughs> it's not pension. Uh, I can't think. It starts with a P. It's Thomas something. Anyways, um, I didn't expect this book to have a resolution at all. Mm. Um, like, it isn't as... as uh, out there like there is actually a storyline and a plot to kind of follow through um it isn't just one note which i read another book this year that the author has come out since and claimed it's satire and i was like this is too one note to be satire and i just really want to be like send her a link and be like here you go this is how you do satire but anyways um the the whole undercurrent of he gets this job Paul gets this job to, you know, do research and they already like mass produce it. And mm. I don't know. I, I just loved his whole job storyline, I guess is what I'm leading up to. And it's, it's the part that made me laugh the most. Like, I think you're supposed to laugh at some of the family stuff too, but because it made me so tense, I couldn't. So I took a lot of pleasure in his, uh, folly when it came to his, his job and all the ridiculous stuff that happened there. Um, 
definitely laughed like, out loud at a couple of points, but can't remember where most of them were. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the scene where well, so he's been in a research lab for years and has no bedside manner. Um, and mm-hmm. they basically are like, no, you're going to actually have to talk to the family members of the people they're going to be doing testing on. And the scene where he's gathered them all, like right before the testing starts and all their questions. And he's like, oh no, oh no. And I was like, no, this is very real. This would happen. And you're dumb for assuming that you knew what you were doing. <laughs> right. And also not thinking about the person um, because he seems shocked yeah. at the state that some of these men are in. I'm like, well, what do you think causes traumatic brain injury? It's not just right. how they tripped and felt they were in a war. Like, come on. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, you can at least try to prepare yourself. But in the research lab, he was doing it to animals, I think to squirrels. Um, or at least squirrels were involved. Because there is one part, yeah. too, where at the beginning, Bevelyn does ask him, like, you're not, like, torturing them or anything. And he doesn't quite answer her. He makes a joke <laughs> out of it. So it's like, oh, so yes. <laughs> yes. Did he hate squirrels before the whole pregnancy storyline? Or is that supposed to be, like, because they had a squirrel on their mailbox, that's why he hates squirrels? I couldn't figure out... Hmm if that was the connection or if that would just fed into his absolute hate of squirrels. I think it's like also that squirrels are just by nature, chaotic kind of creatures. They describe them multiple times, you know, when that little zigzag that they do looks like crazy and insane. And I Mm -hmm. think to Paul, and also it's just in his mind, a varmint, I don't know why I said varmint. Yeah. Yes. But, in, you know, and that's something that is a problem and an issue. So I think that, right. yeah, it's just a, a whole giant metaphor for Paul. Yeah. Poor Paul. And, <laughs> Poor like, Paul. rich people don't have squirrels in their attic type of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, the well-off don't have that, don't have those types of problems. I bet they do. They just have someone to fix it for them. Yeah. yeah. It's a house, like animals get in (laughs) and as someone who had to deal with his parents like semi-invited uninvited guests rolling through all the time like I can kind of yes you're like this person's in my house and I didn't ask him to be here except it's a squirrel I'm not a person (laughs) yeah that's very true yeah did not invite you (laughs) I don't know I have more sympathy for Paul than I thought He's not a bad character. It's just the book makes you hate him at first. Oh, and it's like, uh, uh, just kidding. <laughs> He's not a bad guy. Right. There's a little more to him. Yeah. I also and, think, uh, yeah, going through like the pharmaceutical system and seeing that laid out and how Paul, like, if Paul was really a horrible person, he would have just kept his mouth shut. And yes, he's really not okay with what's going on and gets slowly horrified. At first, it's just being horrified by the medical merchandising, like those ads that they had or descriptions with all the exclamation points are like, oh, so rough. And I don't work in the medical industry, but I'm assuming that is real that you would. I'd assume so. Yeah. Probably it's advertising. Like, you got to pull them in somehow. Um, I'm with Paul. Plus, he did. (laughs) I think, too, when he uh, confronts Cloris about it, he's like, we have to make sure this works. Like. From the beginning, I re- the way he talked about this product, it seemed to me like he was just trying to get his name out there and that he wasn't really into it to help the, the vets. 
Um, but at that point when he's like, no, we have to make sure it works. It's like, okay, so he does care about the people who would be, you know, getting this thing would be used on them to make sure it works and it's actually going to help them and that they are selling a good product. But the company used some loophole to basically yeah. get it out there without FDA approval because he did he had done all this research so far on animals, but he definitely was not ready. That product was not ready to go out. And I bet the loophole that they use is a real loophole too. I meant to look it up, but I was thinking that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally sure it too. is. And I, I can't. I can't. Go ahead. No, Go ahead. I, it was just it's so it's foreshadowed so early, and I for Paul he's so dumb in that regard because he's just expecting to like do this and and when chorus first approaches him and she's like oh and it'll make us this is a breakthrough product it'll make a lot of money and he's like oh yeah and paul's like save a lot of lives too and she's like yeah yeah sure whatever and it's just like oh paul Actually, when uh, Veblen meets him, the way she meets him is because the doctor she's working for, Dr. Chaudhry, sends her to bring something to Paul and to tell him, I can't remember how he says it, but something like, tell him he's making a, like, a huge mistake, basically. Um, yeah. And it's because he's like, no, don't don't leave for this big, shiny company. Like, keep doing your research. Like, Just because it's a big, right. shiny company does not mean that it is necessarily a good place to go. And everything she says in this meeting to, like, entice him to come over is, like, a double entendre. And she's, like, leaning in it, into it so hard. Yes, and it's, like, <laughs> he's, like, I'd like a glass of water. Of water? And I was, like, please, <laughs> and I was, like, please stop. Please, <laughs> right. please like, oh, stop. Oh, your device? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, also, when, she, when he goes back to her place and hears her Skyping with her kid, her kid is crying. Um, he's at his dad's house and he hears the argument between her and her ex and she's I think was that the argument about how the kid was at the school where her father went her father also owns this company I don't know if we said that yes so she's the yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so her son is going to whatever school her father went to and she's like you gotta like represent the family this kid's like eight ten he's very young yeah um, crying blah 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 Paul overhears all of this and he's kind of horrified by it but he still has sex with her yeah. Yeah. Cuz he's a dude. <laughs> I mean, she's like, "Tell me about your device." He's and he, it's like he held his hand device. 8 inches apart. I was like, "Please stop." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I I, I I really like how that's written too because it's the Paul chapter and it's so focused on yeah. Paul and of course he's going to be like <coughs> gross about it. It's it's so interesting. <laughs> Because I feel like the chapters that are focused on Paul, I I feel like the author does a really great job of transitioning, like, the language, sort of, even in the way of describing things, despite being, like, third person. I I don't know. It it, it really hit me this time around. I really like it. No, (laughs) writing multiple points of view is one of the hardest things I think someone can do. And a lot of times the criticism is that the voices aren't different enough. So I think, Mm. yeah, I, I agree with you here. This is a great example of various viewpoints primarily yes Veblen and Paul and you can feel the difference which is yeah it's wonderful and the squirrel and the squirrel there is there is a chapter from the squirrel's point of view which I loved I want to go back and reread it again after this (laughs) because it's almost like so the way that this 
the summary is on Goodreads. It's like hinting that maybe Veblen falls in love with the squirrel. Oh, no. And, uh, well, because it says, <laughs> the end of it says. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It says something like, or is she attracted to someone else or something else? I read that earlier. Yeah. yeah. It's gross. <laughs> it's really yes. weird. And I was like, is she going to fall in love with the squirrel? But I also was sitting there wondering, like, is at some point the squirrel going to talk back to her? Is it going to become that kind of book? Um, right. But the squirrel is almost like a guardian angel of sorts. Because when you get yeah. it from his chapter, it's it's a definitely a different tone. <laughs> you get the squirrel kid as well, who's awesome. And, uh, and it talks about him, like, running from room to room and checking up on things. And even though it is the night before the wedding and weddings are supposed to be perfect and magical, there's still, he's like, her dad tries to escape a few times and like Paul's parents are exhausted trying to keep him from escaping. But also Paul's brother has a fit, which, you know, again, keeps everybody busy and like, it's not a peaceful night for anyone, but it's okay. Right. So also very real because people were all humans like things happen yes. before weddings like some are more stressful than others <laughs> like, um yeah mine wasn't thank goodness <laughs> but, i'm holding out hope <laughs> you're like all this stress was like what happened and you're like but mine was great it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> yeah it's fine. well we also did we didn't well they didn't have a big wedding either um we didn't have a big wedding um, was actually like, what was the last wedding? It was our friend's uh, wedding in May. And I was like, what did we do the night before? All right, we, we hung out, had food, went to see Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there. I've only been in one wedding. And was like, what did, I, what did we do the night before that wedding? And I honestly don't remember because it's been seven years now. So I'm like, yeah. I'm sure we did something. I'm sure there was some stress. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think about the last wedding that I was in the wedding party like so we had the ceremony in massachusetts for them just after midnight and then drove up to maine i don't know i feel like it wasn't stressful i don't know i could be wrong <laughs> no. I also, it's also different when you're in the wedding party than when you're yeah. like the people like getting married and wanting things to be perfect not that you're in the wedding party and don't want right. things to be perfect but yeah there is a line but also you're <clears throat> at least personality wise you come across as very chilled and laid back and like Things will happen or they don't. So as where yeah. Paul is very opposite of that. And Veblen, by the time the wedding comes around, she's starting to say what she wants. Yeah. Yes. So, Which is why I thought it was also interesting that the wedding ceremony itself was from the perspective of the squirrel describing it. Yes. yes. Instead of like her or something. And I was like, okay, this element of control is taken away from both of them of how it's seen. And that was yes. really yes. cool. I thought. Plus the squirrel bit or pinched her mom. Hell yeah. Kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did love that. that. Oh, that was uh, good. It's a nice touch. <laughs> and and um, they knew one of the big worries about the wedding was like, was Justin going to have a fit? Because one of Paul's biggest things is that Justin doesn't like when attention's not on him. And who knows if that's real or not, but he was like, he's going to ruin the wedding day because it's not about him. And mm -hmm. then you're also throughout the book getting this tone of like, 
Justin might be in love with Veblen in a creepy kind of way. And so when it gets to the wedding and Justin interrupts, and I was like, please tell me this is not going to turn into like a, I object because she's going to marry me. Right. And I was like, I can't handle that. And it's not. It's, uh, Paul understands me now. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is That's sweet. one of the things the squirrel sees is he sees from the outside, uh, Paul's parents basically telling them what happened at Justin's birth and to like explain basically to explain why they how they blame themselves you know and why they in that I feel like they did they owned up to because I feel there's um, before that we get to see a little bit of uh, Bill and Mary and his parents talking about how they need to set a plan for Justin because one day they're not going to be around to take care of him and before that day they may also stop being physically able to take care of him um and then that's when we find out about the birth and what happened and how bill's always really struggled with that um and how then he wants to tell paul so they do tell him so does he does seem to understand more because during when justin is yelling that during the wedding ceremony paul says it's okay yes justin i i understand you so (laughs) i know that was nice it was was. (laughs) i don't know why i'm laughing but no, because it's sweet. Yeah, I like that it's from the squirrel's point of view. I don't need to know Paul or Veblen's thoughts of that yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. Especially after what Paul went through right before the wedding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. um, which I feel like I was not super surprised because there's one point where he, when he tells his, his parents, you know, the company he's going to be working for. His dad says something about a guy who filed a suit against this com- this this company and now is missing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, yeah. Paul, you need to be careful." <laughs> oh shit! I forgot all about that. Yeah. Um, and then after everything happens with his product, and they're gonna put it out there, even though they haven't finished the actual trial testing to make sure it's safe and that you can use it on people and it's gonna help, um, he decides to he's gonna move forward with like blowing the whistle. Um, he calls up a friend of his to tell him, and he's like, if anything happens to me, take care of Evelyn. <laughs> um, so he writes it by hand, makes copies, and then as he's running around trying to leave the office, he ends up getting run over. Like, when this happened, I was like, did he really just get run over? Did Cloris really run him over with her car? Like, would she do that? She did. She totally did. Oh, she totally did. Um, and... Oh, yeah, but, but with the way that that section ended, I was like, wait, that's not what's going to happen. She, she's in a parking lot in public. Like, she's not, she can't possibly be dumb enough to do this, but she does. She speeds up. Someone else sees it. They're going to testify, all this <laughs> other stuff. But um, one of the parts that did make me laugh, and not a laugh because it's funny, haha, but, like, a laugh because, like, oh, my God. Um, at the beginning of the book, when we're talk- they're talking about Paul's trial and um, – the volunteers they're going to need for the trial, they says they're going to need people who are on the Glasgow scale of eight or low, which is the most severe traumatic brain injury that you can have. That's like of the rating system of that. So when he gets hit by the car, they talk about his Glasgow rating and he's at a nine. I was like, oh, my God, you were so close <laughs> to <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. I so totally it was like a laugh of, oh my miss God. that. I miss that completely. Oh, yeah. now I want to reread this already again. 
And he had a, like he had a lot wrong with him. Small hematoma that they did remove, fractured yes. left humerus, fractured clavicle, fractured tibia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we find all this out too when, like you were saying, when Bev's mom comes and she's like getting all the details because <laughs> she needs to know and she knows best. <laughs> oh. And I think he's still on crutches at the wedding, or he's using a crutch. Yeah. It's okay, Chorus um, gets hers. Oh uh, I also didn't see that coming. I mean, I don't want to, like, celebrate it because it's super screwed up. But well, she lives. Yeah. She lives. She lives. So lives. But Messed up. I was also worried about, about yeah. the kid. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. I just, I don't understand. Like, so she's told her, her son about this cool project and this, he wants to see paul's product the device and i think at one point earlier he's playing with it like he has it and paul's like get that away from him it's dangerous and we get to see how dangerous it is too because at one part at one point when paul's showing some other people one of them puts it up against a wall and pulls the trigger or whatever and it like goes through which i mean if you're going through a skull yeah you can go through a wall um but oh chloris (laughs) didn't see this coming until the moment that they were like, right gonna happen. <laughs> like, yeah, that it was like the kids watching the Skype, and I was like, oh no. Yep. And oh, they're no. arguing. Parents are, of course, arguing. <laughs> and he's pretending to be a robot, his escape. And he wants to play, like, you know, and he puts the thing up to her head and pulls the trigger. And I was also like, oh my God, I couldn't imagine being on the other end of Skype, I don't know how far away, and being like, what just <laughs> happened? Yes. What do I do now? Uh. <laughs> and also the therapy her son will probably need. Yeah. Yes. Because he doesn't yeah, understand what he's doing. These are terrible parents, clearly. I mean, his, yes. his mother calls him fat over Skype. He's like eight years old. Yes. I forgot about Forrest that. Of is like a horrible person. I'm glad that they made the pharmaceutical, like, heiress a horrible human being. No offense yeah. to anybody, yes. but like... It works. <laughs> no, but, no like, but like considering the number of news stories of people that are charging like 5,000 times the price of medication that it is to like make it and things like that, mm-hmm. like, you know, people are dying because they can't get medications because they can't afford them. And so yeah. perfectly fine with Big Farm, Big Farm <laughs> being the bad guy. Oh, yeah. But she, the other part too that made me mad was right before that, I think, we find out that there's probably not going to be any charges filed against her, but she is going to help with the whistleblowing. So when that happened, my first thought after thinking about the kid and his therapy was, wait, what about the whistleblowing story? Like, oh yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she does survive because in her appendix, we get to see her uh, talking with someone, yes. but she pretends that she didn't have a brain injury. You did because her responses are clearly... Oh. <laughs> off <laughs> but I was like why, why are you pretending you could just say something well I guess image yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's also the product that you're trying to sell right. and that someone is whistleblowing <laughs> saying it's not safe and your son literally took a chunk yeah. of your skull and possibly brain out definitely brain out with it like it's mm-hmm. not something you want to be like yeah sure my son punctured my skull with the thing that yeah. I'm trying to sell and say is yeah. safe 
but she's also. You could just say something else happened. Say you fell down the stairs. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what happened. Because your answers are very off. Where there's oh yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, she's messed up. She's messed up for life. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Um. Oh, and then two after everything happens with Paul getting hit by the car, um, <laughs> he does have a bit of a realization that maybe he was on the wrong track with with things. Um, and then I did, I did like too how he did tell her about the screaming snails. I was like that's cute. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because if anybody's going to relate to it, it's Veblen, and it was kind of that moment of like when he sheds all this ambition and remembers who he is. They really are kind of made for each other. Yep. It was sweet. Yep. I like that. It, yeah. By the end of it, they're they're closer to each other. In terms of yes. like, yes. I'm shedding, I'm trying to shed off this neurosis and this like pathological need for status and order. And I'm shedding off my pathological need a little bit to please everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. That they grow closer yes. together at, yeah. you know, when they recognize that their parents and upbringing are part of them, but they try to separate yeah. themselves from that, which is hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did like two or after when he's in the induced coma is it in, in induced coma or is he just in a coma uh, i think it was induced i don't i think it was an induced state um because i think starts yeah lashing out. <laughs> yeah if you've got brain damage i think you yeah. they they do try to until they can figure out how bad it is yeah um so she's talking to him trying to like get him to wake up and everything like that and she starts talking about how like she hates nudists too like they're terrible and yeah maybe your life with justin was really hard your childhood with justin was really hard and she does see (laughs) his parents have seen her um or overheard and they leave kind of hurt and she does note that normally she would have followed them but she did not follow them to try to to make things better um yeah and she also lashed out at her mom and Linus, which was surprising, where she yes. screamed at him to stop making everything about her, uh, about her mom. So, it's like, yes, but good for then you. Then she follows her mom, and I was like, yeah. is she going to apologize immediately? But I actually really like what she says, which is like, not everything's about you. Mm-hmm. I'm very upset with you. You're very upset with me right now. But can you just stay? Because this is something you I, really important and of course, her mother doesn't, because it, it was embarrassed break in narcissism. front of all of yeah. them. That was part of it. <laughs> oh, Megan, I see the yes. look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Although when she does call her mom to apologize, I feel like her mom did accept it and not be yes. super dramatic in that phone call, <laughs> which was an achievement. <laughs> yes. She still, I think, makes it a little bit about her, but there, because there was a line, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember I made, like, a, like, involuntary groan. <laughs> that mother, I can't. You're so traumatized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, because my mother is, like, I was about to say the complete opposite, but that would be terrible, but she's never been, like, this is this. like a helicopter mom <laughs> combined with like a narcissistic person. And my mother was never a helicopter mom, um, which was something that like I had to. It, there were t- my stepmom 
was not necessarily a helicopter mom, but she was very involved in my stepsister's lives. And I remember being like, why can't my mother be like that? But like the older I get, I respect and appreciate the boundaries that my mother had. We're like, my mother will listen to me if I want to complain about friends, but she's not, it's literally like a, to get it off my chest kind of thing. Not in like a, um, feed the, the drama kind of way. And, and I guess because like, I finally accepted like that is something that I absolutely love about her. I have no tolerance for these mothers now, I guess. (laughs) And her appendix and the email oh, yes. uh, that she sends Bevelyn. Right. <laughs> I was like, that okay, she's gonna ask questions. Yeah, that was that. that <laughs> it's like how many? Laugh. Yeah. Yes. It's like how many questions? It's like a job interview now. Stop. Why is this? And I was like, it's still going. What was my favorite one? I have to see. <laughs> I love too that she left lines like she like. How's your yes. back? And then she like drew a line. Like there's a line for Bevelyn to fill this out and send it back. But my favorite one was the question was what is your salt consumption a line for <laughs> Bevelyn to fill that in the very next sentence it is not healthy <laughs> like, okay, yes <laughs> uh, I was also like I feel like for Bevelyn maybe dealing with her mom in uh, written form is easier than phone calls every day because I'm sure you can't afford phone yes. calls to Norway every single day no no I do appreciate the last appendix is the response, though, to her mom. And, like, it's basically her mom sends this whole long list of questions with lines. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to send you this letter in Norwegian back. You figure out. Have fun. Not dealing with your bullshit. (laughs) Like, it was really nice. Yes. Yes. Thank goodness for Google Translate. Did you guys translate the her appendix? I I translated some of it. I knew a little bit because it's close to... I figured it out because uh, it's close nice. to Danish, which I know very little of, but know enough that I was like, okay, this probably means this. So a few words I needed to look up. <laughs> but thank God we had the appendix and I already knew what squirrel was. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which in all the Scandinavian languages, apparently it just sounds sort of like acorn. Did you notice that? It was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Squirrels are great. Charlie really loves squirrels. They fascinate him more than anything else. <laughs> they're not much smaller than him, and they can and climb, they can climb oh, trees. That's true. So, like, it's an added bonus of being, like, it's he's, like, trying to chase them every time. It's, like, this moment of, like, no, 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 I want to talk to you. How do you do this? And <laughs> they always climb the tree, and he just sits there, like, sad, looking up the tree, like, I just want to be your friend. Right, and I want to climb a tree, too. I feel like exactly. I've definitely seen a squirrel. I've definitely seen a squirrel that's bigger than Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably. Got to come out to Queens. If it's getting ready to... Yeah, if it's getting ready to go into hibernation, it is probably bigger than Charlie. <laughs> uh. Oh, last thing about her mom was... <laughs> I swear, no, I'm I think gonna be thinking about her mom thing. for days, no, so but only because, only because it's related to her name. When she kind of puts some things together, and she asks her mom, like, "Why did you name me Veblen?" Um, because she'd been told this whole time it was after this this guy. Um, she puts it together that she was actually named after him because her mom was in love with a professor or her PhD advisor, 
Um, and Bevelyn is the guy or the, you know, the, the guy and his beliefs that drew her and that advisor together. Mm-hmm. And when she confronts her mom, her mom's just like, I don't see why this is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but to Bevelyn, because she's kind of based her whole life, like you were saying, Liz, up around this guy's beliefs and really has gone into this. Like she, it's a big deal to Beblin that she was lied to about this. And I love her mom's response was like, I didn't name you Twaddle, which is the yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the okay. Yeah. At least I didn't name Could've you this. Worse. Okay. <laughs> I part of me kind of agreed with her mom there because Whoa. Just from the standpoint, just from the standpoint <laughs> of like she's still named after the dude. It's still named for the love of this dude. Does also being in love with the professor add that much to it? I mean, I don't know. I think it is weird, though, because what helped her, Bevelyn, put this together was she had, when her and Paul were at the house, Paul was like, oh, yeah, you should take your typewriter that's here in your old, you know, child bedroom. This From the stories you've told me, you should totally take this with you. So they take it. Her mom's pissed about that, um, which was a gift from her Ph.D. advisor, which is interesting. But then also her mom had taken her once to a lecture about Bevelyn's teachings by this guy. And they were going to go approach the, the professor and his wife and kids showed up and they ran outside and her mom was crying. So it's like, uh, OK, maybe you didn't need to do that part. I mean, to be yeah. fair, if I found out that my mom named me something that brought her and her ex-lover who is cheating on his wife and kids... Like, I might not feel that great about it. I guess. I mean, I guess it was like, I kept wondering if I was missing the line of like, she's this professor's kid. No, they they specifically point that out. She does ask that. Yeah. And I was like, you're not his kid. It's creepy and it's weird, sure. But I don't know. I feel like it's even weirder that she's not his kid. And she named her that. I guess. It's like, I don't know. It's a, <laughs> so weird to me. The whole I was so broken by the, this point. I was just like, okay. <laughs> I'm also coming at it like, I personally get two different stories, one from each parent about how I got my name. So I get the frustration of, how did you get your name? Oh, <laughs> uh, See, when I ask my parents, they're different. like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's better than... Cause <coughs> One, it's like one, one, each parent takes credit for it basically in different ways. Like, so one of you's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, anytime I ask, I get the story of, well, we thought you were going to be a guy and your name was going to be Travis, but then you weren't a guy. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> then you weren't a guy. <laughs> oh, I was E. Brian in the room because if I was a boy, I would have been Brian. And if I, and I'm Elizabeth, so. But my brother got, I always joke around with him that he got the second hand name because he's Brian. My, I was going to be Alex and my little brother's name is Alex. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. At least that's Caitlin my was going to be. I had to double check, but. Enjoy my leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if Caitlin had been a boy, she was going to be a Travis too. I do know, I understand the twins' names. I know at least three of my siblings' names because Michael and Mackenzie have the same initial, well, Michael's a junior 
And then Mackenzie has the same initials. She's Mackenzie Catherine. It's Michael Christopher. Um, mm. And then my sister, Sydney, the story behind that is that she's named for Sid Vicious, the wrestler, who my dad's friends uh. with. So Brag. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the story. I am like, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, none of us have actually ever confirmed. It's one of those, like, I've heard it. Dad's told it to some one of the kids but like I've never actually asked him to be like 100% is this true because the other rumor is that I think Caitlin is named for a Baywatch character what one of the one of, the, <laughs> one of my sisters is named for a Baywatch character but again that's one of those like this is what we either either someone made it up to piss her off or someone said it at some point I don't well, know at least it's like a so. rumor it's not fact like my friend yeah no because none of us none of us want to confirm it and also because my mother's like you're 30 years old you think i remember why i named you (laughs) my friend is these are questions you should have asked sooner my friend's like 35 she just found out from her mother when she told her she was pregnant oh you know what i named you after it was this woman named hillary on a soap opera that was only on for one season like a a melodrama (laughs) Like it was, you know, That's in the amazing. era of Dynasty and, 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 and Dallas, but it was only lasted one season, but they had already given her That's this name. Amazing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's great. She's like, great, mom. Thanks for <laughs> naming me after a failed TV show. <laughs> yeah. I've even asked my mother because my middle name has an H too. And I'm like, was there something about H's? She's like, I don't know. I liked how it was spelled. Okay, mom. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Mine's boring. It's just a family name. I don't have something exciting like a Baywatch character. <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, I honestly, I've never watched Baywatch. I have no idea if there's a Caitlin on the show, but oh, I don't know. that's the story that we tell her. I'll volunteer myself <laughs> to check that out. I'm going to need something okay. after One Tree Hill. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else we want to discuss about the book? I feel like we could talk about the brother, but that kind of gets into an area of severe uncomfortableness that, I mean, if you guys want to talk about it, great. I don't feel comfortable quite talking about it. Yeah, I felt okay with, like, talking about him within the dynamic as it relates to Mm -hmm. Paul and the family overall. I totally agree with you. I, like, don't trust myself not to say something accidentally icky and not realize what I'm doing. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, human. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. It's one of those things. We can get into it, but she does it well enough in the book. Go read this book. We should read every book that we talk about. But yes, it's a thin line in the book that she walks very well. That if I say anything else, I'm going to spend the next six weeks up every night being like, "Can I take that back?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, she does an extraordinarily good job. Like, never once do I feel like it's manipulative or whatever. You know, it works. Right. Yeah, it's it's just ambiguous enough that, like, maybe he is, you know, annoyed when the attention's not on him. Because, like, that's a normal sibling thing. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. And he gets married. It's all. Yeah. Yeah. In the appendix, he's having a wedding. Yes, yep. that's right. He marries uh, the woman that he meets from group, right? That he was holding so, hands yeah. with. I did like that. 
connected like that. Was there an appendix as well for the mom's trial? Um, um no, I don't think. I think it was wasn't it just her writing a letter detailing all of her stuff to whoever would be in all of her medical oh. conditions who, to whoever would be in charge of it. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. But it, it doesn't like tell us what happened. No, um, it doesn't tell what happened, but I did like that letter. Yeah, it's the yeah. first one. The first appendix. Yeah. Appendix. Then we do also find out that Paul and Veblen moved to Norway, which I think we may have mentioned with the letter that her mom wrote. Um, and he feels like he's actually doing good now. Um, he just wanted to do something that matters. So, let's see. What's he been doing? He works with the, uh, what's the name of the people? With the herders for injuries yes. out there in the field. His ATV accidents are common, so trying to do what he can to help them. The indigenous, like, um, Norwegian. Event. Yeah. Yeah. And she's actually getting paid for her translations now. Yes, yes. <laughs> good job everybody Norway seems like a magical place (laughs) is Norway one of those countries is like supposed to be the number one place in the world to live I think it alternates between all of those like every couple years some years it's Norway some years it's Denmark some years it's Sweden that's the third one thank you I was like I know there's a third one (laughs) and then there's Finland and Iceland which aren't technically Scandinavia that's a debate for another day (laughs) (laughs) So, I think next would be book drink. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. oh no. I forgot about the book drink. <laughs> you would have thought I had never been on this before. Hold on. I could come up with something. <laughs> okay. It, doesn't, it could be any drink that makes you think of the book or something you were drinking while you were reading. Yes. I would say. <laughs> it would actually be like. If I'm going to go with a boozy drink, like a Campari-based kind of thing. Earthy, foresty, squirrels. There you go. (laughs) So it's going to be like a gin and tonic with a splash of Campari on top. Nice, nice, nice. I like that. A little touch. Yeah, that's a good one. You could call it the Bedlam. Trees. (laughs) Trees. And it also is like a little nutsy inside because it's gin. (laughs) Yes. Which has an That's earthy taste. One. Yeah, it also makes yes, me nuts, so. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I hope that works. No. That's a good one. No, like it does. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. The last time I paid. There's a couple like, of drinks in the book. I was painstakingly thought of it the last time, and then this, I was so good. Oh, boy. I also totally forgot to remind you, so it's oh, No, so it's okay. Don't, nobody at me. <laughs> I think gin is a good it's a good there choice go. Jane, good that is a good tonic yeah. Campari boom there you go, there you go. <laughs> I do want cider um, now though even though the cider was spiked yeah. in this book I was like yeah. this is a good time let's have some cider Megan watch out yeah I guess I could recommend cider with E in it but like that doesn't seem responsible <laughs> yeah, let's not do that <clears throat> this is not a real was... recommendation, but right. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> there was also the dinner that Veblen hosted for Paul's family where she made cocktails. I want to say it was vodka and lemonade. I was like, that sounds refreshing. Yeah. 
And she, with a little like, bit of mint. Yeah. yeah. Yes. She, like, really threw down with mushroom turnovers for appetizers, pork tenderloin, yeah. strawberry sharks. Like, this is, like, how adults host things. I want to do this sometime. <laughs> <laughs> this is how adults host Let things. Let me know how that yeah. goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see if I ever do it. <laughs> Friendsgiving. That's when you do that. Yeah. So you didn't put a full-on feast on for Chris's parents when you guys got engaged? No. <laughs> <laughs> My dad threw us a cookout. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. Although I have that um, Spanish cookbook that I've been like, oh, I want to go through this. And then we decided oh, yeah. to move in that through everything. So my mother-in-law was like, I want to come down and try some stuff. I was like, absolutely, but I need to practice first. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be cool. Yeah. All right. A book drink. Next. What are you reading next? I feel like I'm skipping something. No, I think you're good. Okay. I was going to say, right. take your time. I forgot the book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the drink. <laughs> oh, God. I think I need one. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I made it this uh, far into this and now I'm a mess. You're doing great. You're yes, good. You are doing great. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, what oh, am I so reading? Liz, next? what are you reading next? Yeah. I think I'm looking at my new bookshelf, which is my to read books that Larry insisted that I buy because <laughs> uh, he didn't want them on the floor anymore. Um, <laughs> why, why, why not? I thought it looked nice, like nice little cool stack piles of books. But he's more of a, I guess, a Paul in sense of uh, order. <laughs> Whereas I'm definitely more of that's like the fair. woman that's going to live in the dilapidated hut, you know. Uh, <laughs> a true Baba Yaga, you know. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. But uh, I think what I'm going to be reading next is The Book of Dust, the Philip Pullman. Uh, oh, yeah. New, like, in the world of his dark materials series that's out uh it was either that or they finally break into these cassandra clare novels that larry's mom bought me oh no <laughs> oh that's right i forgot she brought you those because i hate myself so um but probably going with book of dust <laughs> <laughs> we're debating whether or not we want to do cassandra clare for handbook podcast at some point uh, so let me know I will give you all the scoop on the TV show. <laughs> Is it still canceled? Oh, no, it's ending. So, yeah, I oh, guess in a sense God. it's, no, it's can't, no. It, the truth is it is canceled, but it's not, it's coming back to, like, finish or whatever. Oh, okay. They'll finally set me free from this trap. There you go. It's like I'm a genie in a I, lamp and I'm finally being released. Finally got married to watch Pretty Little Liars, so I've yes. restarted Pretty Little Liars because I never saw the last season. So I was like, okay, well, I just might as well start over. That's a trap <laughs> I will gladly get caught in again, as much as I hated it at times. But uh, I do have a few book recommendations for you then. Okay. If, if you haven't read The Thousandth Floor, it's like futuristic Gossip Girl. Um, one of Us is Lying is like breakfast club meets pretty little liars it's great i read that in an entire day on a train i was like i can't put this down like why can't i like i'd put it down i was like nope i need to know i need to know what happens um 
So yeah, those are the ones I read last week. And I was like, anybody who likes teen drama will like these. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's a good recommendation. Like a full hearted recommendation. (laughs) Yes. I will add those to the list. (laughs) Stephanie, what are you reading next? So I think I'm going to read, because it's the one book not in a box, um, right now. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness. Um, oh. We There's an H.P. Lovecraft store here, cause home of Providence, <gasps> home of H.P. Lovecraft, um, that we went to, and I don't think it was the wedding weekend. I think Chris and I were here looking at apartments or something, and we were killing time before our friend got out of work. So we were in that store, and we bought it just a little pretty thin. Um, I'm not sure how many stories are in it. But I've had it, and I didn't actually start it um, because moving is insane. <laughs> yes. So, like, oh, you're not in a box. I can start you. Because <laughs> I haven't read any any H.P. Lovecraft. It's like, okay, sure, I'll read something now that I live here. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I did not realize that's, like, H.P. Lovecraft territory, and now oh, I really yeah. need to get up there. Yep. Born here. I think he lived, if not his whole life, most of his life here. Um, yeah, yeah. So come visit. Yeah, good store. But I have been told. I think he was a bit racist. May have gotten better as yes, he got older. Yes, he's not necessarily so a great person. A bit I is was warned about that. A bit is not <laughs> entirely accurate. Raging yeah. might be more yeah. accurate. <laughs> we'll see if I continue, yes. depending on how this this reading goes <laughs> of his stuff. But you know, we'll that story try. is really good. So. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, how about you, Megan? What are you reading? Um, so I learned this week that when you recommend things to your library for their OverDrive collection, if they get it, they put you in line for the book. Oh, so, wow. Um, okay. So I have a habit of being like, oh, yeah, you should get this book. It's really popular. So... Um, I ended up with Providence on my uh, overdrive, which I actually already bought, so I took it off. Um, so that's not quite up, but then not that bad. The Roxanne Gay um, rape culture um, oh. anthology came in, mm-hmm. which I don't know if I'm actually in the, the mindset for, but I also know that it'll end up being, if I don't read it now, it'll get a long hold. So... Mm. Um, it is apparently my year for Roxane Gay. So it's not only essays from her. She is the editor on it. Um, and I don't know much about it. It was one of those things. I saw Roxane Gay's name um, and I basically just added it to the list. <clears throat> but um, I know it'll be rough, but I'm really excited. Uh, I know Gabrielle Union also has a story or essay in it. Um and a few other authors that I've read, but uh, yeah, um, continuing my like line of terrifying myself into singledom. So, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also have uh, Batman: The Long Halloween because I read the first five volumes of Batman recently. Like I completely benched through them to get ready for the Batman Catwoman Catwoman wedding issue and now I actually might like Batman so uh, 
this is apparently like the best of Batman. So I'm doing that now. Nice. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, I forgot to ask you. How did your 24 and 48 go? Because mine <laughs> did not go. <laughs> I did 21 hours. Nice. Um, I read. So, okay. I was all for it. And then I had 12 hours on a train because I went to and from Richmond uh, last week. So I read four books, I think, on the train because I did sleep a little bit and I did work and write a little bit. So I started the weekend with having read 120 books this year and was just kind of like, I don't necessarily want to read a bunch <laughs> this weekend. I just want to play Kingdom Hearts. Okay. So that's fair. I actually cleared out a few audiobooks because I've played Kingdom Hearts enough and I, I usually have the subtitles on. So I turned it down and put on an audiobook and got through uh, a few of them. One of which is A Simple Favor, which is a movie that's coming out in September with Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. I don't know if either of you have seen the previews for this. No. Um, they're like moms and, um, Anna Kendrick plays the like awkward friend and Blake Lively is very Blake Lively (laughs) and, uh, Blake Lively asks her to watch a kid and then she disappears. And then it's like based on a book and it's like, okay, I'm going to give the book a try. I don't know if that was the best idea. There is a story like, (laughs) I'm like sitting there and I'm like playing Kingdom Hearts and then they say something and I was like. Wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> so I rewound it and I was like, okay, okay, okay. No, I heard that entirely correct. And I was like, okay, maybe this is just a quick, like, and then they keep going. And, and so I finished the book. and was like, I can't believe they made this into a movie because they cannot cut out the subplots that I keep debating whether or not it's a spoiler. So I'm not going to say what it is. But don't go into it feeling like it's just like a regular, you know, mystery movie. Like, it goes for the shock factor. Oh, boy. And um, still not sure if I like it or not. <laughs> now I'm also honestly not even sure if I'm going to go see the movie or not. Whoa. But, oh, dear. Um, <laughs> I love okay. them both that I'm like, I should. But also I was like, what is this? Okay, now I have to Google like, this. Like, once we're off. Uh, when we stop recording, I'll tell you okay, actually thanks. if you want to know. Yes, but uh, yeah, I'm yeah. fine knowing. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, a good weekend of me playing video games, but also getting through some audiobooks that I really liked. Outside of that one, yes. I did like the rest that I read. So. But yeah, good. January when it's cold, I'm sure I'll do better. Yeah. I am, and I'm not moving, so I, you know, yes. feel settled, and I will hopefully not have a concert, because... How was it? The pictures was looked like, amazing. Oh, my God. It was so good. Double Nay was amazing. <laughs> oh, it was so good. <sighs> I'm still so jealous. I'm so jealous of everyone that I know that has gone. <laughs> my friend actually texted me that she was looking to go to Kansas City to see her in October trying to get tickets and then she realized it's the day of my wedding so she, I better appreciate how much she loves me and I was like honestly I don't care if you you can go like totally understand 
I don't have She's to like, come I'm to my here wedding. for a little bit. I gotta go. <laughs> go, go. It's fine. <laughs> but I like that you have that attitude. You're like, Go see the concert if you want. Whatever. I mean, yeah. she's coming from Texas anyway. It's a trip. Might as well make the trip Jeez. to, to uh, Kansas City instead of New York. I totally would have understood if she had texted me like, "Hey, dude, not gonna, ma- not gonna make it." You're like, fine, get it. Oh, because now I'm gonna feel guilty. <laughs> the whole way. I guess that'll be my wedding drama: is knowing that my friend Guilt. could be at Genoa. <laughs> If she holds it against you, I'll find her and beat her up. For oh, you. she won't. It's just the Roman Catholic and me going guilt, guilt, guilt. <laughs> so, Liz, since you were last on, you've started a podcast. I did. Um, ish. <laughs> it's been on a little bit of a temporary hiatus. We have everything recorded, um, but my life has been a little not so. Um, so, uh, but it's a, it's a podcast about the Dynasty reboot that's on the CW currently. It's called uh, mm-hmm. Keeping Up With The Carringtons. We're, <laughs> yes. you know, we're eventually going to do, um, a, like, bonus episodes, bonus episodes, like, or hot shots. No, uh, <laughs> like, uh, mini episodes or special episodes with a guest, hopefully soon, where we're going to watch the original. Oh, awesome. And, I like, have people watch Ooh. it out of context. Uh, so yes. that'll be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I just saw it's finally on Netflix, so I will be watching it. Oh, I'm so expect some text messages. I'm ready for those texts from you. You put up with them for me, so I gotta. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like the the shows that we've had in common and the shows that you've watched that you started binging and things. I was like. If she loves Dynasty, I got a feeling that I can love this too. So, <laughs> wholeheartedly recommend. <laughs> yes. Uh, are you guys going to release with the episodes of Dynasty? Because I know you guys had a little bit of trouble your first season, but is that the goal? Yes. Yeah, or... So once season two okay. relaunches, <laughs> although, funny enough, guess when it's premiering? <laughs> In August. Is it on your wedding? It's the night before my wedding, and then uh, so. <laughs> And then we leave for our honeymoon the next Friday. So that'll be like three weeks that we'll already be behind. Oh, no. It's just doomed. <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll make it work. Well, I like what I've heard, and I'm very excited. I paused it because I wanted to actually watch Dynasty with it. So Nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. By the time I get them all up, you'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Oh, do you have anything else coming out? No, <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> no. Well, I knew you uh, guested on a a couple other, uh, like you yeah. had like a regular guesting spot. So yeah, nothing, nothing coming down the pike yet, which should free me up with a, plenty of time to actually get on my shit. So <laughs> <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> Uh, Stephanie, should I ask? <laughs> nope. 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 Okay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Has Chris released his no. podcast yet? Okay. No. And <laughs> both me and Nicole, George's wife, have been giving them shit about it. <laughs> but their plan was to have a few episodes like edited and ready to go so that they can have some in the bank as they record more. Um, sure. 
but it's like you've recorded a few times get it out there we like to tease yes. them so maybe soon uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right them, I don't one know. of these days hopefully soon but <laughs> yeah yeah how about you uh, <laughs> uh yeah I've got way too many, so the easiest way to find out is to follow me on Twitter, uh, which is at Meg Griffin with three G's in the middle. Um, I retweet everything that the podcasts are doing, and I'm so bad at... if you. (laughs) This one, I think, is the only one that comes out actually on its release day, um, which is just a factor of, like, sometimes people forget to send me recordings... Sometimes people editing things happened and someone left a metronome running the whole time. And sometimes oh. just like people are moving and their internet goes out. And so like I just, judging book covers is the only one that comes out. It comes out on Sunday. It's great. Everything else. They have days. They don't. I think the last month, none of them have come out on the right day. So, <laughs> which is perfectly fine. I love them all. So, but it's just a sign of like, if I can't get the episodes out on the actual days, the, the websites aren't up to date. Just go go follow me on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, this week I literally recorded Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and today, and I edited Monday, Tuesday, and tonight, and then this one will get done this weekend. So oh, God. oh boy, I don't know how you do it. Like, so I'm exhausted having one. <laughs> Elle is taking over handbook, but she was moving and she's on vacation this week. So she, but she's taking over editing that one. And then my Animorphs one, I'm not supposed to edit, but Alex has been moving. He bought a house. Tim is still new. So we're not putting it on him yet. And Jenna's really sick. So it was like, okay, well, yeah. So Alex is moving this week. So I'm hoping next week he can take it back and run with it but it's fine i love them all so it's really not a big deal but yes the goal was that i only handle two and right now i'm handling all four so <laughs> it's fine i'm going just to like tonight. seeing you like as the dog in that house in that picture yeah. you know because all you keep yes. saying is this is fine and I like want to come and help you but I can't even do anything <laughs> so. no like it's I I like I don't want any nobody should feel guilty because it's just a matter of like I'm the only one stable right now everybody's moving and a thousand different things going on and like I got no complaints. I love them all. If I didn't, I'd get rid of one. And the thought of getting rid of one, I'm like, no, I love them all too much. So it just happens that this is the one week that all four of them line up. So, but Fabulous is about to go on break again, which is good. And uh, with Elle and Alex and Jenna coming back, everything will go back to being easier. And then I can remember to actually schedule guests for this one. Podcast. Oh, that was so stupid. Oh. I almost texted Tim Stevens, and then I was like, you know what? I don't even think I want to juggle through people's schedule right now. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> do two. Let me relax for a little bit. And uh, yes, yeah. But I'm not going to leave all that in. By the way, I figured. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know how this works. Like like Elle and I talked last night and she apologized. I was like, you're going on vacation. It's fine. Like, this is a vacation you've had scheduled for like six months. It's not a big deal. So. But that, I will say, Handbook Podcast just started a new season where we're talking about Cockygate, which ends up being like so much more convoluted than we thought it was. Um, but then we read the first, we read the sample of the first book. So that had phrases that are still haunting my dreams. Jesus Christ. So <laughs> it's erotica. So yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I don't know if you're telling me to listen to it or not listen. No, you should listen to it. <laughs> okay. Because you should you should get these mental images that I'm currently sitting in right now. Oh, so it's like a, the ring situation where you just like have to keep cursing people so that you don't. Exactly. Yes. It follows. You just have to keep passing it. Yes. I get it. I see your game, yep. Megan. Pass it along. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for cursing me. You're welcome. Appreciate it. So next time we're going to be doing reading The Hate You Give. And who's joining us for that one, Megan? Uh, L for sure. Elle Riccardi is going to come back um, because it does relate to handbook podcast quite a bit as it is the book that Lanny Sarum knocked off the bestseller for 24 hours. So um, I can't think of anybody better to come talk about it with us. Um, plus neither of you have read it. So yes. So that would be good, but hard. <laughs> yes. I'm very excited. I'm myself. If you, yeah. If you haven't seen the trailer and no, I did. it makes me cry every time. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know I got a text from my stepmom. She's like, hey, the, the book, the movie, the trailer. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw it. It's fitting. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's very good. Oh, I'm, Liz- I'm very excited. Yes. It's going to be good. <laughs> uh, Liz, thank you so much for coming on. You were wonderful and have great taste in books. Yes. I can give you that compliment. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. And anytime. <laughs> anytime you want to come back, please do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that this was like almost as far different as you could get from the one we read last time. So I loved that. Yes. And uh, I laughed at a couple points in this one <laughs> that was nice nice refresher or you know i'm not expecting to laugh at the next one but that's okay maybe the one after no, that no yeah <laughs> yes Just keep rotating them out so. <laughs> yeah really quick um do you want to give like your really quick thoughts on the movie annihilation since you uh, we're the one who recommended the book for the podcast. Oh, yeah, sure. I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is putting you on the spot. If you don't want to, trust me, you don't have to. Oh, it's okay. I really enjoyed the movie, which we saw at the same time, Megan and I. Yes. And then um, I really liked it a lot. I, I had been walking in knowing that it was completely different from the book. Yes. So my expectations were set at a level that I think allowed me to enjoy it, whereas some people might not have if they were looking for a strict interpretation um, or even a really loose one. 
<laughs> but I, I really thought it was great, and I, I really need to watch it again. I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watch it again. I thought it was great. <laughs> Tessa Thompson was freaking amazing. That part in the, yes. in, with the where she, you know, yes. you know, I don't want to awesome. spoil anything, but that wasn't in the book at all. And that was actually, I read an interview with the author and he was talking about how that's the one thing that he wishes that he had written because it's perfect. I was like, yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> it was, it was. That movie's so well cast. Everything about it's great. Yeah, even the squeamish bits. Ooh, yes. I still, yes. There's some like imagery in that that still haunts me. And it's not the screaming thing. It's like the no. intestines. <laughs> that yes. gets the, me. The pulse scene. When it's like, ooh, when it's all, they, yeah, when they find the yeah. video and then you just see it swirl. For some reason, that made me want to throw up. That's even worse to me than the... <laughs> screaming there <laughs> yeah no i had reese's pieces the other day and for whatever reason it made me think of oh, annihilation oh my god <laughs> what because i think well because i think you had them and we were eating them like as we sat afterwards talking about it oh yeah and, I did. Uh, it was not intentional though but it was like i ate a reese's pieces it was like wow i'm having flashbacks to annihilation how did this happen so <laughs> that's right i did have them and i yeah oh man I'm yeah, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's the human brain's amazing and weird and super crazy. Yep. So <laughs> I taint Reese's pieces for you forever. I give you enhanced trauma over neurotic narcissistic mothers. Like, why are you even? Why are you even friends with me, dude? Uh, I don't even know. Because you're the best. Ha- okay, but have either of you read Sharp Objects or are you watching the HBO show? No, no, I haven't. Okay. If I read Gone Girl, that's the only other thing I've read by her, and I enjoyed it, and I liked the movie. So this is why I gave into Sharp Objects. It there is like no, it's all dark and unhappiness. So you've got this like mother who's psychotic and a sister that's evil, and like the main character's cutting herself. And I was like, every bit of this, is, like, there's just no release at all. And it was like, I pushed through it, but it was a traumatic few days. And I was like, why am I reading this? And because by the point that I was like, this book is affecting me, I was like 75% of the way done. But I don't think it's a heads up. And I won't be watching the show. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was like, it felt like walking in someone's depression and I was like, no, I don't need this. This was supposed to be a murder book. This is not what this is. Do you know if the show's that like that too? I, I cannot bring myself to watch it, Someone recommended which sucks. Um, because I love everybody in the cast. Yeah. I think I might skip it too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll just use you as an excuse. There you go. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. So, Liz, thank you again for joining us. Um, everybody should give Liz a listen on Keeping Up with the Carringtons. And you can also follow us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at JBC Podcast. And there's also a Facebook group, um, a handbook for judging fabulous retellings covers. So thank you for listening and keep supporting your local libraries. Bye. <laughs>